Oh, there we go. Mother's Day. You know, there's some great quotes on Mother's Day. Abraham Lincoln said this, all I ever am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. George Washington said this about his mother. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Here's another one. A mother is a person who's seen there are only four pieces of pie for five people, says, I never did like pie. <laughs> the joys of motherhood an unknown author said, are never fully experienced until the children are asleep in bed. Peter DeBry says this, a mother's role is to deliver children once by birth and by car for forever after. <laughs> in our day and age, I know a lot of you moms experience that. But motherhood is a wonderful and a powerful position. It evokes all sorts of feelings for us. Hopefully most of those are positive. I know that everyone had a great mother or a great childhood in that regards. But in its design, motherhood is fantastic and those who are beneficiaries of good moms are blessed by that. Because mothers are those who do so much in our lives. Dads are great, but mothers can bring a certain level of care and empathy that fathers aren't as good at. Does anyone disagree with that? You know, I mean, if you fall and scrape your knee when you're a kid, where do you run? You don't run to dad, you run to mom, right? There's something about moms. And a motherhood evokes these emotions for us. You know, there was a study done of, of current moms with kids in the house. It says, what do moms want more than anything else? To mom, what do they want? Do they want diamonds or jewels, new clothes, breakfast in bed? You know, what is the top thing? You know what they want? They want time for themselves. <laughs> that was their Mother's Day gift. Irma Bombeck says this about mothers. All mothers have their favorite child. It's always the same one. The one who needs you at that one moment. Whoever needs you for whatever reason, to cling to, to shout at, to hug, to hug, to flatter, to, to unload on, but mostly to be there. That is your favorite child. The one who needs you most. And I'd suggest to you the reason that mothers are great, the empathy, everything they do, is because of servanthood. Servanthood. Mothers embody that servanthood spirit that God has and calls us to be. And I think motherhood embodies this in an amazing way more than many, maybe anything else in our society. For mothers serve their children, their families, and others in whatever way that it is. Because a good mother is the one who puts her children's concerns regularly before her own, making them an important part of her life. That's why she's looking for one day to have a break. <laughs> you off from serving on Mother's Day. Moms in their position represent serv servanthood so well. It's part of the heart of God. Mothers embody that serving nature that God has in his spirit, and he gave that so well to moms. And we live in a culture that desires to be served, not to serve. We stand in contrast with that as Christians. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says this, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus entered in our world to serve. 
to give his life, to do the act of service that we couldn't do so that we could embody, we could receive from him what we couldn't find ourselves, redemption, reconciliation with God. And in that, that's what Jesus has come to do and what he calls us to do as well, to be like mothers in that way of servanthood. For we have seen, as the power of motherhood is in servanthood, we saw what Jesus did. He entered the world, and what did he do? First of all, he died for our sins. According to Scripture, he was buried and raised, and then he appeared. All of this as an act of service for you and for me, so that we could receive what God intended for us. That resurrection of Christ is the basis for our Christian hope, so that we can we can live for God, so we can be a people of victory. We can cry out, oh, victory, where is your sting? As Paul cries out here. The resurrection of Christ does that, gives us that victory. And it also leads us to action. Because of what Christ has done, we're to be those who live out of that. The amazing truth is, death doesn't hold the victory. But rather, death is the state of transition for Christians to something greater, resurrection life. As we are children of victory through Jesus Christ, by faith in him, the victory of Christ has been shared with us, and out of that's the foundation for us then to live for Jesus Christ. And Paul doesn't want us to miss its life-giving message of the resurrection. That's why verse 58 summarizes that foundational work of God, that incredible work in death and resurrection of Christ, and how we live out of it. That victory of Christ demands nothing less than living in, in light of it, living in because of it. So that full realization of the coming resurrection for, that Christ has done for us that we can live into. And as believers in Christ, that victory shared with us is that foundation, that power for us to live into servanthood, being like moms, being the resurrection, the basis for our ministry, our living as servants of God. And in this verse, we want to look at just a couple thoughts as we kind of help see it, kind of expand it so we see and understand it. And what do we find? We stand upon the resurrection in life. That's where we stand. How do we know that? The first part of the verse. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Because of the resurrection of Christ, what do we do? We stand firm. Nothing is to move us. We are people who stand in resurrection power. Consider the power of the resurrection to really understand that again. The power that can overcome the weakness of old age, the frailty of our bodies we are presently clothed in, it takes the failed and the closet with the unfailing. It takes the imperfect and makes them perfect. It takes the decaying lifelessness at the end of life and makes it come alive more than ever, the power of the resurrection. It takes the temporary in which we live and makes it permanent, eternal. It takes the mistakes, the regrets, and makes them right. It takes slavery and makes it into freedom. It takes the limitations of this life and looses them into the next life. That's the power of the resurrection for changing our life as a basis for our living. And we can't overstate it. The power of the resurrection is sufficient and significant for your life and mine. For at every point in life, it holds power for us. In sin, the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ leads that we can forgive as we've been forgiven. And that forgiveness leads us to victory. In any weakness, resurrection holds hope. In any failure, the resurrection holds renewal, rebuilding, 
In any inability, the resurrection holds the possibility of transformation. We are people who live in the constant light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just Easter, but it's in the constant light for our life. That victory of Christ and what he achieved for you and for me is to be on our lips. The victory is to be there as we weigh our decisions in life, what we decide, what we consider and think we should do. The victory changes how we live. For the victory allows us to live in light of what Christ has done and what he will do for us in the age and the days to come. For to live fully in the gospel, it's for us to grasp this good news of the resurrection, not just intellectually, but emotionally, spiritually. Not just assenting to a historical place, but to know that this truth is truth for us today and forever, so we allow it to penetrate deep into our souls, saturate our spirits, and live in light of it. So in doing so, we can stand firm. Let nothing move you. When can a person stand firm? Abe Lincoln said this, be sure to put your feet in the right place. Then stand firm. That's good advice, isn't it? Put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. Don't be in the wrong place, in the wrong situation, and try to stand firm. That's not going to work. But be in the right place, standing on the power of the gospel of Christ that we have seen the victory and the resurrection, that's where we stand and can stand firm. You know, if we say in the river of life, when the current is strong, where can we stand firm? Can you st- in the floods, can you stand along, right along the bank, the sandy bank? Well, the waters can come as they rise and wash away that sand. Rivers are always moving and changing. That's not a good place to stand. How about that slippery rock? That slippery rock that's in there. When I was in Duluth, um, sometimes on Sunday afternoons, I'd go hiking along the creeks from the hills down below, and they you know, kind of had those creeks and rivers, and it was about a 40-degree October day, kind of gray, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll just jump across the creek, and I landed on a rock, but this rock had green moss growing on it. And yeah, you guessed what happened. Whoa, my foot landed, and I went right into the water and thought, oh, great, you know, it gets soaked, it's 40 degrees out, I'm a mile away from where I'm going, but, you know, fortunately it wasn't the dead of winter. But where do we stand? The sand, those, those little rocks. But let's say there's a big rock, a big rock in the river that's been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. That rock has endured the floods, the sun, the winter, the seasons, and it stands firm. That's the image of what Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection is doing for us in life. He is that firm rock upon which we stand in life that can stand against anything the world can throw against us. The gospel of Christ is that rock. So we stand firm. We stand firm on the rock of Jesus Christ. That rock that's the rock of ages, as we often say. And to stand firm... We have to be set in that good place, that solid foundation. You know, businesses, companies, stores, whatever it is, how do they survive difficult economic times that come and go? Well, if you have to be, you have to be capitalized, right? You have to have enough monies so that when the hard seasons come, you can weather the storm. That rock is that strong place, the rock-solid finances. We could say of Jesus Christ, a place to stay. To stand. A firm foundation is required 
in life to be able to succeed. The gospel of Christ, proven in the resurrection, is such a foundation. You know, there's a lot of good things in life, such as education and family and so forth. These are good things. But to stand on those as a foundation of life will show its weakness. Education. Education's good. Getting a high school degree, maybe going to trade school or going to a college. There's some who get masters and PhDs. But you know, not everyone who gets a good education succeeds in life. Because education, as helpful as it is, is not sufficient for all of life. For, the whole, for all the things confronting death, what good does education do? Education is a good tool, but falls short as the foundation for living our life. How about, be, how about having a good family? Having a good family is a blessing of God. It's what God intended. But you know, in and by itself, alone, it's not enough. Because what? Even a good family, it only lasts for a time. I had a wonderful mother. She's the one who led me to Jesus Christ and prayed for me. But she, as many of you had, she's passed on, is with God in heaven now. You, you know, even having a great family, having a wonderful mother, it's a blessing of God, but it doesn't last. It's a wonderful thing, but we need more than that as the foundation for how we live in life. In this world, the, only the gospel has the ability to hold the weight of life and not be crushed. Any other foundation will be overcome and overwhelmed by the load of living or swept away in death. The resurrection has no weaknesses. There's no fails to it. It gives hope at every time and place, regardless of the circumstances, and it is eternal. And in this, this is where we can stand firm in life and not be moved by the current of your life's circumstances. We can live in light of the resurrection and its power. And in this, we can stand firm, and nothing then can move us. It's that resurrection power. For what does that verse say again? It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Let nothing in life move you. Even the challenges, the difficulties, the threats to health and life and family, whatever it is, nothing has to shatter, wreck us, or destroy us because we have the hope knowing that God loves you. And in his life, through Christ, he has died for us and has promised to us the resurrection. All because we stand firm upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So nothing can have victory over that in our lives. That's why we stand firm on the resurrection of Christ. That's why Paul says this here at the very end as a summary of talking about the resurrection. Because of that, we can stand firm. It's where we are and not be moved. So we can live a life that's unshakable, indomitable, because of the good news of the resurrection. Not because tough things don't come, but because the one who has promised, he is with us. So when we stand in the right place, Jesus Christ, upon his resurrection, we stand firm against any flood and tide of life so that nothing the world throws at us can move us off that good news of the gospel of Christ. This is where we stand firm. So we stand firm. And because we stand firm, we serve because of the resurrection. We have a place to stand. We're anchored and rooted in a good place in life. And because of that, then we can go out and serve the Lord on that good foundation. That second phrase here in this, this verse, what does it say? Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. 
Because we stand firm, now we can give ourselves to the work of the Lord. If we don't have a firm foundation, it's really difficult to give ourselves, right? Because it's, if, our, if our feet aren't anchored, if we're shifting sand, if we're not in a good place, we're not in a position to serve. But when we have that foundation of the resurrection, now we have set ourselves and can serve the Lord because we're secure, certain that leads to the eternal blessings with God. And because of the certain hope we have, we can stand firm. The Lord has answered our questions, the greatest questions, and set firm these questions of eternity, of your meaning and significance, security and future in life. Having settled those questions, we can serve God freely. So Paul implores us here, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We can live with this resurrection focus into our service. Giving ourselves to the work of the Lord is not a slice of life for just those who have some extra time on their hands. We're to serve the Lord in all that we do. It's not service apart from life or from working or anything like that. It's not adding on, we live over here, then one day a week we serve God. No, it's to live a life given fully unto the Lord in all we do. In school, we give ourselves to the Lord, seeking to be trained according to our gifts so we can use these, our skills, our intelligence, what God has blessed us with to live for God. In our jobs, in our work, we use the skills that God has given to us to build up society, to bless others, to add positively into our community in a manner that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. That's living and serving him because of the resurrection. In the body of Christ, we, we carve out time to be part of the body because we want to use our gifts in the church, in the ministry we're called, and we're called. Anything short of this is not giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You see that in all areas of life, in all that you do and I do, we're to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the Lord. Let's, let's, let's think for a few moments. Fully devoted to the Lord. Do you think that turtle's all in? I mean, you know, if you're going to climb a fence as a turtle, you're all into it. You're, that pond, you say, I, I'm putting it all on the line for that pond. Or how about this animal trainer? If you put your head in the mouth of a lion, you're, you're not doing it heart, halfway. You're, you're putting yourself in. Just examples for us of being fully devoted. And I'm not talking here about, about being a missionary or a pastor or anything like that. If that's what God calls, great. But I'm saying as living for Christ and wherever you are and wherever he's put you in life, that you live fully unto him. We serve God with our life, not as a personality, style, or type, but with our lives in whatever areas that he, God, has put us in. In school, in work, in, re in our recreation, in our, in our vacation, at home, in retirement, in responsibilities, in your downtown. In all these areas, we are to be people who, like Christ, serve as he calls and leads us to. We're not to be those that, well, you know, if I can find, carve out of my schedule an hour or two a week, I'll serve God, the rest of it's my time. That's not what he's asking. Would that be a good mother? Would be a good mother being, I will give an hour or two to my children when they're four years old. But other than that, it's my time. They're on their own otherwise. That wouldn't be a good mom, would it? And mothers are that example of servanthood from God. And what he's calling us is to be those who serve in this way. Doesn't mean we have to always be doing things at church. 
as good as those things are, but wherever we are in life, we're doing those to serve and bless others in the name of Jesus Christ. We live for Christ seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We're always on in terms of serving him as he leads us. How? By allowing that victory of the resurrection to influence, transform, and lead us what we do. So when we're faced with decisions in life, we ask the question of, well, Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I serve you today as I work, as I, as I mother, as, I, as I'm golfing or planting in my garden? How can I bless others? Or what would you call me to do? Use me. Being open to the Lord's purposes as we live for him. For living on our own, we're stripped of resurrection power and focus. But living for him, we serve him. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. We are to be those who live fully in the Christ. Are there changes that need to be made in your life or mine so that we can regularly, daily, off our lives, be open in our lives to living and serving God in the way that he calls us to? We have such a great victory. We share in the victory of Christ. We aren't to be those who let it go to waste, but we live it out. Our significance comes through the resurrection, the third thing. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord, we serve God because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul's last phrase in his reflections on this resurrection is instructive for us. He says, your service in the Lord, serving others is not in vain. In other words, serving the Lord isn't worthless. It's not empty. It doesn't go without having significant meaning. Your service to God is none of these. Your life in Christ is worthy, fulfilled, chock full of meaning and value. And how can we be sure of this? Because of the resurrection of Christ, who died and rose to life and has called us to join him in eternal life in that day. That life we are to live is fully devoted to him. If that's the case, if that's the foundation, how could it be in vain? Because it's what God, the creator, the sovereign one has said. It lives unto eternity. That which lasts, which stands the test of time and of eternity, could never be without significance. Do you see how this is not, with it, without, it's not in vain? Paul wants us, because sometimes, well, there's something flying around here. <laughs> so, but you see how when we, when we have that foundation that we build upon, the resurrect, death and resurrection of Christ, he calls us to serve. And in service, sometimes you can feel like, oh, all I ever do is give, give, give. But the Lord says, realize, it's not in vain. This is valuable. And one day when you stand before me, you will receive the reward, the reward that's why it's not in vain. You'll receive the reward of the Father who says, well done, good and faithful service, servant. It won't be without its reward. Even if it's not really noticed by others or it's, it's not looked or held up in esteem by people in this world. But what you are doing will make a difference because you're serving the Lord. I think of, it was some 30 plus years ago, Northwest Flight 225 out of Detroit heading to Phoenix took off from the air, airport and soon after it took off, it started to have trouble. And all of a sudden, the plane was having trouble 
and it was become really obvious the plane was going down. And Paula, who had a little daughter, Cecilia, saw that and realized this, and she unbuckled her seatbelt and threw her body over her daughter. And she wrapped her body over her daughter who was buckled in to protect, give that extra layer of protection. And the plane went down, and out of the 155 people on that plane, only one survived, and it was Cecilia, that little girl. Because her mother wrapped her body around her daughter. And although the daughter was injured, she recovered and lives a full life today. All because her mother served. Served in a way that was willing to give her life for her daughter so that her daughter might live, and she did. And I think that just captures what Jesus has done for us and what calls us to do. We serve, and one day we will receive that reward. For there's great significance to our reward. Maybe you say, well, I don't know what about this judgment stuff. Well, let's consider. Let's say you're driving into cities. You know, you have a, a, a new job in, in St. Paul area. And, you know, if you go to the cities, there's always roads closed, as I found out all the time. 494 is closed, 94 is closed. It's like, how do I get from west to east? And so anyway, you're in this situation. And it's merging, and you're, you're trying to get to work on time. It's the first day, and you're merging, and you see somebody in the other car, and you look at them and go, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not letting them in. And so you make sure they don't get in, cut them off, and you kind of have that smug smile and think, well, okay. And you get to the office, and you sit down, and you're just talking with some other new people, and in walks this person, and you realize, that's the person I cut off. <laughs> and they're the vice president of your new division. And what's your thought at that point? It's not going to go well for me. I'm going to have to face that person and receive the judgment that they give me. And you know that's going to take place. Well, take that and expand it to eternity when we stand before God. For all of us will stand before God to receive good or bad from what we have done in this life. For those who are in Christ, who live faithfully in him, we receive the blessing and the reward of our Heavenly Father. And that's what Paul is saying here for us. Because of the resurrection, we have this eternal future. So serve God and realize it will not be in vain. God will bring about your blessing in this life and through all eternity. My friends, this is what we have for us. What is in front of us in this life and forevermore. Because of who Jesus Christ and what he has done. Don't be a person. Don't be one who says, well, I had opportunities to serve. But, you know, I had to put those aside because, you know, I had experiences to experience in life, places to go, things to do, that would really, you know, give me what I wanted. I didn't really give myself fully to your work because, well, I had a lot of things to do in this life. How is God going to respond to that? Paul says that only that which is done in the Lord will not be in vain. Everything else, all our accomplishments, that are world-based, they'll pass away. But everything that's done in Christ is what will last forever. Our time, our skills, our opportunities, our monies, our blessings, our trials, all of them, we give them to Christ, striving to live in that resurrection significance. Positions, fame, experiences will be in vain if it's for ourselves in this life. Not that you can't have experiences, but if it's just for ourselves, it will be without value. That will be in vain. All that you and I have done for ourselves will be in vain. But that which is in Christ will last forever. 
Do you want to be somebody who builds a life that lasts forever? Like moms who loved and passed that on, that's lasting. We are to be those who serve like Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve, who gave his life as a ransom for many. For those who live to themselves, they build a house with, with wood. That's nice, and it may last 80 years, 100 years, maybe 150, 200 years. But do you think a wood-built house is going to be around 1,000 years from now? No way. Unless Dan built it, maybe he might, but very few will. Because wood as a material won't last. But look at those pyramids. Those pyramids last because they're built with stone in a way to last. And we could say that's a life lived in Christ that will never be in vain because it's built on that which lasts, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How are you building your life? Is it built in the power of servanthood that reflects motherhood? This is yours in Christ and will never be in vain. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, standing firm, and guess what? It will never be in vain. Stand firm. Serve. It will never be in vain. That's the power of servanthood because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ for you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you will know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you what Jesus has done for us. May your service and your servanthood that's reflected in our dear moms, Lord, be how we live. Live to you. Lord, wherever you have put us in life, in our station, position life, may we be those who do it in light of you in the resurrection and serve as you have put us, we pray, in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.